This man kneeled on a man's neck for eight minutes and 46 seconds. Can you imagine that? This kid thought he was going to die. He knew he was going to die. He called for his mother. He called for his dead mother. I've only seen that once before in my life. My father, on his deathbed, called for his grandmother. When I watched that tape, I understood this man knew he was going to die. People watched it. People filmed it. And for some reason that I still don't understand, all these fucking police had their hands in their pockets. Who are you talking to? What are you signifying? That you can kneel on a man's neck for eight minutes and 46 seconds and feel like you wouldn't get the wrath of God. That's what is happening right now. It's not for a single cop. For all of it. Fucking all of it. I don't mean to get heavy, but we gotta say something. All right, welcome back, analysis listeners. Welcome back to the podcast. We're back. Uh, an old stalwart. Yes, sir. Making the making the grand return. Yeah, man. It's been a little bit. Mr. Barry Irving. Thank you. Thank you. Thank yes, you. Glad to be here. Yes, Thanks for having me back, man. Of course, man. It's, it's, it's been, been a while. It's been too long since we've had you on the <laughs> podcast. It's been too long since me and you have hung out. This dang COVID thing. But yeah, and what a world we are living in. Yeah, <laughs> since, the, since the last time you came around. But it's... Uh, the I think the timing of when we're recording is important. Mm-hmm. Not all the time. I, I mention dates and times when we record because who knows when people listen. Yeah. But this is George Floyd, post George Floyd, mm-hmm. uh, Black Lives Matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, very important. It, it's always been very important since 2016, but uh, particularly right now. And a couple things have come out recently in television that I think are really perfect timing for where we are as a country. Uh, one of them is Dave Chappelle's YouTube, I, I, I would call it stand-up, but it's really more performance art, which Absolutely. is 846. Mm-hmm. And me and you have talked a lot about Dave Chappelle on this podcast. Yes. <laughs> so I want to get your thoughts on that. And the other one is Spike Lee's new movie, Da Fly- Five Bloods. So yes, yes, yes. Uh, definitely... Mumble mouth that that it's all time. Good. It's all good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, say say if you're listening at home, say the five bloods five times. Yeah, fast. say it see, five times. See how fast. well you do it. But uh, so those two things I think are really important to talk about. But and we just had uh, Brittany Brown on talking about what her experience was like as an African American person growing up in a and being a fan of of movies, but what that's like for primarily mm-hmm. most of the projects that come out are, mm-hmm. are made by white people, geared towards a white audience. You've been on this podcast a lot, and we've talked about a lot of different movies. Um, what was your experience like uh, as growing up as a, as a black kid and kind of what that was like? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a great question. Um, I'll actually, I'm actually, we were 
talking off off of the recording a minute ago, and I'm going to bring back a, a point we were point that you actually brought up, which was um, that episode of Stranger Things, that Halloween episode when they were um, when they were all the Ghostbusters and um, what's what's the kid's name? Lucas. 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 Mm-hmm. Lucas wanted to be. Peter Venkman and everyone's like, oh, you should you should be Winston and that I that was that was that was like it wasn't like tailor made to my experience but like that experience of like identifying with with characters in film and television that didn't necessarily look like you that was that was that's that's an experience that like. A lot of black youth sort of automatically learn to do so so it's kind of like we have we we're, we're not necessarily forced because no one necessarily ties you down to make you watch a movie but like what we see in the media we are we have to find ourselves in that and yet when when something is made with from a black perspective it's it's often seen as like something else and or the black version mm-hmm. so yeah, yeah there's a black yeah. cinderella but yeah. it's brandy and that's yeah. like the version for yeah. black people totally, totally. right and i am as as crazy as this time is hopefully maybe one of the good things that can come out of you know giving lent giving giving black voices more of the stage right now is that maybe we'll we will start to see a shift in the consciousness and start to allow people to maybe take more looks at some of these things and like maybe start to see themselves in these things the way that black audiences have been seeing themselves in a lot of mainstream media that isn't black so so yeah i think i hopefully hopefully the consciousness can can move in the right direction and we can really start celebrating black art as something that can be all of ours yeah absolutely so with that said, we've talked a bunch. Some of your favorite black artists we we have celebrated at mm-hmm. different times. Mm-hmm. We I think the original Case Four it wasn't called a Case Four yet, but we, we did a deep dive into Will Smith. <laughs> Will Smith, yeah, yeah. We were talking about Independence Day and whatnot. Yeah. So that was kind of the 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 inception phase of of Case Fours. But let's talk about a guy that. We have had a lot of discussion about Dave Chappelle and 846, and you would text me uh, Friday morning and said, have you seen the new Dave Chappelle yet? And I said, there's a new Dave Chappelle, (laughs) because I had just released the podcast with Brittany Brown saying, man, Dave Chappelle... I, I wish I always form my political stance or Dave Chappelle gives me such a great yeah. understanding of the black perspective. Yeah. I wish he was here for me yeah, right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I run and it's it's a 27 minute performance art piece on YouTube and to to call it stand up I think is I think stand up is a, is a is a great form of entertainment and a medium, yeah. but it this is something that transcends it his, what he does here in this piece, but he, he almost speaks directly to me in saying, <laughs> why do we need to hear celebrities right now? Mm-hmm. It's my, I need to stay quiet and let the streets do the talking. Mm-hmm. And it kind of hit me and made me feel like a total idiot. Well, I mean, to be fair, I think he was, I think it was directed at Don Lemon, who was, 
specifically calling Dave Chappelle out on television, saying, mm-hmm. where's Dave Chappelle? Where are the celebrities? Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. So, but, yeah, I mean, I'm, 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 I, I wouldn't necessarily say I was looking for Dave Chappelle's answer, but, like, when I saw that Dave Chappelle had dropped something, I was like, ugh, I need to hear this. This has been kind of like a guide for me for navigating these challenging subjects about society. And I am very much someone who was kind of anticipating what Dave Chappelle had to say. And maybe, and I think the the point that he brought about, you know, the streets are taking care of this is ultimately the most important thing. Because, I mean, me and you, we are, we're, we're in our 30s, so we're kind of getting out of that youth and so like maybe maybe these young kids that'll come behind us won't necessarily need to be guided by celebrities and if that can be a really good thing so yeah i don't think you should take it that hard on yourself for wanting to wanting to know what dave Chappelle had to say and he's and he says in especially the special, when he did such a great job of doing it anyway. yeah he, he says in the special i know why you turned to me mm-hmm and it's because you trust me because you trust me and I tell it like it is and mm-hmm. I'm just a guy I don't there's there's not a I don't lot get of, everything right but I'm yeah. honest and that's the thing like I think I think we who it's 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 kind of hard to really suss out the right and wrong of all of this it's a lot it's 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 messy challenging ongoing work and but the important thing is to identify it and Dave Chappelle is really good at that Mm -hmm. and in a lot of ways he he put thoughts that had been circulating through my head into words a lot better than I could yeah he always takes an idea that you're like oh I was I was dancing around Mm -hmm. that but you gave you gave me Mm -hmm. the words and the phrases Mm -hmm. to help me articulate it Mm -hmm. right and and but Dave Chappelle does a really nice job, I think, of pointing out stories or or having an anecdote or or, or or just shedding light in terms of the hypocrisy. One one that I'm thinking of on a previous special he had was uh, how young is sixteen really? <laughs> and if if like I think sixteen is old enough to to know whether you want you want to get peed on yeah. by R. Kelly. But yeah. then he talks about a, a, a little black girl who was kidnapped, I think she was eight years old or something, and chewed through her ropes, and the people who kidnapped her weren't around, they had chocolate to eat, crack to smoke. But she was able to, by the, she was at home watching herself in the evening news later that day, mm-hmm. and then he talks about, like, a, a different little kid who, you know, there's, he, he brings up all these different, like, stories in the news, and kind of, like, talks about the ways that media can spin things and the hypocrisy of it. Yeah. And I think he does a really nice job of that as well in 846 when he's talking about uh, Chris... Um, Dornan? Chris Dornan. Chris Dornan. And when he's, he starts to talk about the, the manifesto. And, 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 and he, just, it's, he has a great line in there where he's like, I read the manifesto. He likes me. Are you good? But he he talks about the hypocrisy in that, you know, when they found him in in Big Bear Lake or whatever and 400 police officers answered the call and they they swish cheesed him and it's like so 400 cops show up because their own were being gunned down. Then how the fuck can you not understand what's happening in these streets? Yeah, yeah. And even when he was talking about Chris Dorner himself doing the killings, or it might not have been Chris Dorner, it might have been... Some, I can't remember which exact, which cop killer he was talking about in this instance, but he was talking about how 
like oh how they how they are how they were mil- how they were militarily trained and mm-hmm. and they these were, are our men yeah they were doing what they did when they were serving which was answering a dom- fighting domestic terrorism like yeah that that was a really that was a really key line for me mm-hmm. and he he doesn't know and I liked I liked Dave Chappelle. He, he's he's the greatest comedian I've ever seen in person. And I like the fact that he is comfortable being uncomfortable. There's multiple mm-hmm. times in that where he's mm-hmm. like, is this weird? Mm-hmm. I, don't, I gotta fight. I gotta say something. Mm-hmm. Right. But is this, are you guys having a good time? Mm-hmm. And he's like, it's not, it's not a, you having a good time? Yeah. It's, it's an honest dialogue that he's having with his audience mm-hmm. where he says I don't know this is the first concert that's happened mm-hmm. since this shit went down mm-hmm. I have no idea how this is gonna go yeah. and I, I I'm going to try it and he's and you're watching him figure this out and at certain points I, I would never say he's failing but he's, he's not trying to make anyone laugh mm-hmm. and and it's just this this elevated piece of performance art that I think is also just fascinating to watch mm-hmm. it's not a setup punchline or even a, a standard Dave Chappelle where it's 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 got pre-planned bits laid out. It's yeah. it's just a discussion. He's got his notebook out there. It's yeah. really fascinating to yeah. watch. Yeah, it, yeah. I it 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 really was just kind of like a meditation on what is happening right now, mm-hmm. and just and it was so it was so informed and informative the way he would just pull out news stories and then also at the same time so personal how he brought his birthday into it how he brought the numbers and why 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 Kobe why these Bryant, things hit so hard like why these messages caught his attention so much why it was so personal to him which made it that much more i don't know what the right word is which made which which kind of brought which made you feel that catharsis when he starts to get worked up and he starts to like really get mm-hmm. angry about it. It's like you are you're with him in that. It and it's not really... showy. No. And I you're exactly to your point. He's talking about his experience through an earthquake. And he's he's talking about in 93 this earthquake happened and I wasn't naked but it went on for about 45 seconds and I had time to get a little bit of mm-hmm. weed, get my mm-hmm. pipe, get my clothes on, get outside, but he was like in those 45 seconds I really thought I was going to die and I had to suppress the feeling to scream because if I do live through this I don't want to have the thought of me <laughs> screaming which is a bit that he's done before where he's like Dave Chappelle died like a bitch <laughs> screaming oh oh I shit myself <laughs> and, but he's like he's like I didn't want to hear myself scream and and then he says so and he gives you the perspective of George Floyd in the fear because he says they lit they laid on him for eight minutes and 46 seconds and he cried for his mama, to your point, personal, the same way my father cried for his grandmother. Mm-hmm. He's like, I've seen that fear before, and this man knew he was going to die. Mm-hmm. It's not that he was like, he, this man believed he was going to die, mm-hmm. and, and the officers sat there with their hands in their pockets. And that's the first time I've, I've had someone explain it to me like that and like really put you in the driver's seat of yeah. what it's like to be George Floyd. Yeah, 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 that, that real... I think, because I had I had only I had only I had I had sort of stayed away from anything involving like footage or transcripts involving that murder, just because 
it's a story that I've heard over and over again for years at this point. But very shortly before um, Dave released the stand-up, I did see someone, I think it was like a protest sign that had his his last words written out. And so I, I, I caught that like, yeah, he did um, call to his mother. And like, yeah, that is definitely like one of those, like it is like near-death experiences are something that like kind of, there is definitely a separate thing. Like a, you, you, you know, if you've gone through one or you've witnessed someone go through one, you know what that is like. Like and and being able to put that into perspective and realizing like what <laughs> this man's final moments were is just like how can you how can you ignore that yeah like and. Yeah, I just reflected on my own thoughts, and I'm I'm sitting here and waiting for for Dave Chappelle to come out, and I think what he did was very cathartic, and I think he provided new ways to express the the sentiment, mm-hmm. and also mm-hmm. you, I I like the fact that I have perspective now, where it was like I didn't come out and run to do do this show because I wanted the streets to talk for themselves, and it's almost like the way. A lot of this is going to be a really weird metaphor, but it's the way a lot of sports broadcasters, if there's a significant moment that happens, like a a, a massive home run that's just like league changing, mm-hmm. they'll they'll just they'll sit back and they won't say anything, mm-hmm. and they'll let the guy run the bases or they'll let the the Super Bowl moment happen. Mm-hmm. You know, just a lot of times where they they let the dead air happen and they let the moment speak for itself. It's like I don't need to interject myself into this moment. I'm yeah. gonna let the moment be yeah. itself. Yeah. And it's it's the yeah. same way with Dave Chappelle mm-hmm. was trying to do, where mm-hmm. it's like I they don't need me right now. They're actually handling this very well. He yeah. starts his stand up special off by saying, "Thank you for the work that the kids are doing in the streets right now." Mm-hmm. And that's that's what he was doing. And and now he feels it's it's time maybe he can come out and. <laughs> He goes after some people who may have been asking for him, uh, but yeah, just uh, just an ult- ultimate master, and and I think this is going to be one of the specials that I remember when all is said and done with Dave Chappelle. I'm gonna say like when George Floyd happened and the the country was in that unrest. Today it's it's been out for uh, a little over four or five, five days, days yeah. and it's 21 million views. So <laughs> clearly his reach is incredible, but also it's an important message mm-hmm. and it's been shared a lot. Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah. So our transition was actually back uh, a few minutes ago when you had said you, the, the, the men who were trained by the military and they were the ones <laughs> fighting terrorism. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. let's transition into Spike Lee's Defy Bloods. There we go. I got it right that time. Uh, I think this movie has a ton of things to say and a ton of things to say about the, the different approaches to this. But what were your first influences or thoughts to um, this movie? Well, this is a movie that I was was very, very... I was anticipating a lot. Just, just being a fan of Spike Lee. And I mean, obviously, I've, I've been on this podcast to talk about Black Panther, so we know I'm already a fan of one of the stars of the yeah. movie so uh Chadwick Boseman um but yeah it's a movie I was very anticipated but also something sort of personal um my grandfather served in World War II oh I didn't know that um yeah and my my uncle my mom's brother um also served in the military um so like so like I I that that um that narrative of 
of black men going off to serve their country and coming back and not not having the same rights as as their their white comrades is definitely something that that hits a hits a nerve in my family's history for sure so i was i was interested in definitely interested in, in seeing in seeing spike tackle tackle that experience and i thought it was man i thought it was i thought it was really well done um I, in addition to, in addition to the, the commentary that we can take the rest of this podcast to impact, um, just the experience of the movie itself was, was fun. Like, I love the action in it. Like, um, I actually really enjoyed, this is probably something that is, is probably gonna divide some audiences, but I loved, uh, the flashback scenes and the fact that the old actors remain yeah i actually like that too i don't know what the metaphor is behind it specifically there are two things that it sort of made me think about um one is you see so many not even just veterans but like even 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 just old men who were like athletes in their youth how they'll talk about their glory days and they'll talk about all the things that they could that they did way back when and all of the feats and what they could do and whatnot and Sometimes you might even have them like try to fucking score a touchdown or something like that. It sort of, it sort of brought that sort of. It sort of illustrated that bravado See, of those men who sort of act like they still have it. I may I may be going a different, even a different layer of. There's another because it's the it's the golden age thinking. And you almost see the way that... Because Make America Great Again is like throughout mm-hmm. this whole movie, right? Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. it's this like projecting your current self into mm-hmm. the past. Oh, yeah. The way that they, they even bring up Norman and mm-hmm. he's this like super uh, super soldier. And it's like, are they kind of rose-colored glass, mm-hmm. this situation? Exactly. exactly. And so they're projecting... Like the scenes have the older actors in it. And I think it's it's playing in that line of the way that even the the Make America Great is trying to project mm-hmm. themselves, you mm-hmm. know, an older version into the past. Take me back to the past. Mm-hmm. Let me let me um, revise this mm-hmm. history almost in a way. That's and, the way I took and it. And was it actually the way that you are? Probably you not. Know, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And exactly. I think, I think that's totally. I think that is. It's a very like abstract, not like necessarily direct way, but I think that's totally. The, yeah. The intention, I guess. So, if you haven't seen this movie, we're we're gonna just get crazy spoiler time. So, so go watch it. But you know, if you if you were just explaining to somebody in a very basic level what this movie is about, it seems very simple, right? It's mm-hmm. it's Vietnam vets going back to collect the remains of their former squad leader, and they were called the Bloods. There was five of them, uh, but. They're also going to collect this gold, mm-hmm. but really, it's not a movie about collecting gold, and and we'll unpack kind of what that that metaphor might mean. But this movie is incredibly ripe with with metaphor and has a lot to say about race, and it has a lot to say about relationships, and it has a lot to say about 
America and, and how it was built and, and who was important. And some of the things I was thinking about when I was watching this movie were, were Colin Kaepernick. And we're, we're here and it's, it's, it's already pretty politically charged. But <laughs> it's, you know, Kaepernick, I remember hearing people that were very offended by the, the kneeing and the, the, the dishonor to the military. My, someone served or I served and that's disrespectful to the flag. Mm-hmm. And what was, was never really discussed was that he went to a former NFL veteran but a former service person and said, what's the way I can do this during the national anthem and be the most respectful? And Nate Boyer, who was that person said, yeah. actually sitting is disrespectful, taking a knee is respectful. And yes, your grandfather did serve, or yes, you did serve, but also black men served Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. black grandfathers served Mm -hmm. all the way back until the Revolutionary War. Mm -hmm. And also what one thing that is not talked about a lot, which I think this movie brings up, was a lot of times those guys were frontline infantrymen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And Hanoi Hannah is is on there and Mm -hmm. she's talking uh, in the radio broadcast, but she's talking about the fact that black men make up uh, what was it, five percent or eleven percent? Eleven percent of American of the population, but but thirty percent, thirty-three percent of the the soldiers, and you're the frontline infantrymen. Yeah. And South Park even made fun of this during Bigger, Longer, Uncut, but they were going to go invade Canada, and it was like Operation Get Behind the Darkies, and mm-hmm. they had black men strapped to the airplanes to keep them safe and mm-hmm. black men all in the front mm-hmm. and it was like chef goes what the fuck and but like that that's there's there's some real shit happening mm-hmm. in there so not only did black men also serve but black men were typically put in the most harm's way mm-hmm. given their race and so mm-hmm. this movie is also bringing that mm-hmm. up as well i think that is also another sort of i don't know if it's intentional but it's a, a thing that made me think it's, it's another thing that sort of I thought about while watching the flashback scenes with the old men because it's like these old men their bodies have been worn down why have their bodies been worn down because they've been physically serving our country like this is what our country did to these old men so the reason why we're watching these flashback scenes and these bodies aren't moving youthfully it's because we've put the, we've put these bodies through the ringer and we didn't take care of them when, we, when they came home yeah and so, and then you're also talking about mentally what happens. And, and this also was brought up a little bit with the Vietnam service in Just Mercy. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. the PTSD and mm-hmm. the things that, that, that these men have been going through and the deteriorate, like three tours of service is going to affect you mentally to where there's other tragedies at home with Paul and, mm-hmm. and the death of his wife. Mm-hmm. But how, how that estranged him in a relationship with his son mm-hmm. and what that that experience is like mm-hmm. so you know the, the service it, it's not that white people were the only people serving mm-hmm. and it's not that 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 knee you know and and, and the, the more you think about it and, and and you really will look back at Colin Kaepernick the same way you might look at uh, Muhammad Ali and mm-hmm. and you know at, at the end of the day you were like oh that was an unjust war and his protest of it was completely mm-hmm. valid but yet he was Treated very similarly. Ostracized. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and this movie opens with Muhammad Ali. And I think the duality 
that's happening between Norman and Paul is something that I want to explore with you in terms uh-huh. of its themes. Mm-hmm. Because the movie opens with Muhammad Ali, but it closes with Martin Luther King. And so you have like the fighter, and then you've got kind of the the peace the, the peace and, and, and the pacifist. And you very much like Paul is very much um, he's he's got the greed, he's got the the uh, violent mentality and then you've got Norman but they're also the closest together mm-hmm. and it's kind of showing the two different viewpoints when it comes to ways to to have equality in America right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. I thought that was interesting that those guys were the closest in terms of the relationship of the group mm-hmm. but they had two widely different viewpoints in terms of how to handle a situation like Martin Luther King died yeah. and, the, and there's also a inciting incident as to why at least why because it's almost like we don't even really see as much of their because because of the flashbacks all involve the entire group group we don't really see any like one-on-one flashbacks a lot of this a lot of the closeness is actually we see through paul after he's already lived this life of hiding the guilt over killing his yeah. captain. He suppresses he suppresses the past, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And he again looks at it through the rose-colored glasses. Everything about mm-hmm. Norman is this great it is this this great retrospective, right? But the same way and he's it's it's not subtle the way he's the one wearing the maga hat. Mm-hmm. He's the one that's the most greedy of of the entire group, mm-hmm. right? And it's and it's a suppression of actual facts yeah. of actual things yep. that happened, yep. ignoring your history, yep. leading with with violence and greed. Mm-hmm. That's his character. But mm-hmm. yet, what group is that represented here in America? The MAGA hat is is not subtle at all, and the only yeah. people that are wearing the MAGA hat are. Paul and John, uh, Reno, John Reno at the end, and yeah. and the, the two greedy, most greedy, most yeah. violent people in the entire yeah. movie. Yeah, yeah. And your boy Otis, at the end of that movie, is lying shot with his back on the ground, and there is a MAGA hat sitting on his chest. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's almost that movement mm-hmm. has led to black men mm-hmm. bleeding out, dying with, mm-hmm. with bullets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like yeah. when you when I see stuff like that, an image that's like it's like there's Spike's gotta be saying yeah. something, yeah. you know? Yeah, totally. So you don't mean that. Movies that got the metaphors, Man. it gives yeah. me going. That's, that's, so uh, I'm gonna have to watch the movie again now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so also, did you know this? Um, and they they bring it up in the movie, but uh, the names of all the guys are Temptations. They cut, oh, they talk about Motown. It's like Eddie. I did, but that's totally correct. Holy shit! Norman. That's crazy. So what do you what do you think the the metaphor is? Like the fact that they would all be temptations. Oh man! Holy shit! Well, I mean, is it like that they're tempted by the gold? The first thing that I am thinking of is that I think of temptations and I think of doo-wop. And I think of harmonies, and you think of the, the word harmony. harmony, a group, a group of black men in harmony. Holy shit! Yeah, that's. Uh, I didn't. I couldn't unpack that one. Oh god, yeah. that's fucking beautiful. <laughs> yeah. So, and so 
you've got you got a lot of this going on, but what do you think? This isn't a movie about getting gold. Gold is definitely a metaphor. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Kind of the gold in in this movie at the end of the day was. Um, it's it's you know their their fair share their their the quality their slice of the pie so to speak their place in this world they served their country and had a rightful place in society to come back to that they didn't get and and you know um Chadwick Boseman sort of goes into it in that one flashback where he's talk before they before they decide to bury it and it's like they kind of know in a way that their country isn't going to have their back when they when they get there which is sort of weird to think about but like yeah it's like this this preemptive let's bury this treasure cuz <laughs> we might need to come back and and get it to yeah. to live yeah i i kind of was in the same place where it's the the I feel the American dream is mm-hmm. probably the gold, yes. the quality. Yes. Yeah, American I think dream is a great. American dream is a great. The way they wrap up, especially with like the relationship. So you've got the you've got Otis's relationship with his daughter. Mm-hmm. He's found love. You even get the really nice monologue by Delroy Otis, Lindo. Otis, I, all of the original Temptations are dead except for Otis, and he's the one. And who he's makes the one that out. lives through that. Oh my God! But. He he gets the relationship with his his daughter, or even just the the relationship. Although he calls him a, Paul calls his son David a backstabber in at the end of the movie. Um, he the the the, the letter that's written kind of mm-hmm. is a, is able to at least give peace to that. And mm-hmm. I think even Paul gets peace with the snake bite and and having the conversation and getting forgiveness from. He's able to kind of put himself at peace in that yeah, space. So yeah. I just think like love, acceptance of the American dream, that's kind of the gold that we're still pursuing and mm-hmm. is still mm-hmm. is still they're they're unable to attain it at the end of that movie and, and so it's kind of a a search for the gold continuously. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And John Reno thinks as the white man that he's gonna be able to to Just take let it. Let them do all the work and swoop yeah, in. Yeah, take that, take, take that gold. <laughs> so you know, uh, Spike's working on a lot of different levels there, and mm-hmm. uh, it's it's a there. Lot to there think are about. no pulled punches. Like when they speak, there's in, no subtlety. No, when they speak in Vietnamese in this movie, every word that's subtitled is capitalized. Like Spike is not pulling any punches he's going for the strong imagery throughout that's one thing he does really well and and me and Brittany had talked about four little girls but he uses real photos not videos but photos incredibly well Mm -hmm. in four little girls they show the the pieces of skull in the little girl's head from the bombing in this they show the little babies with their faces uh mangled off Mm -hmm. or he'll show a picture of someone carrying a child with his skin hanging off from Mm -hmm. from the the napalming and everything Mm and and he or that assassination oh yeah that was a that was a video yeah but that and those are real videos and in and he's I think he's also commenting on the fact that real videos make change. And so 
one thing that's happening right now is if you ever wanted to be a cop and be a, a superstar, everyone's filming everything. Bud. <laughs> and, and so I think like showing the video footage from those times as well helps reinforce his message. Yeah. It makes it, it makes it real. It makes it impactful. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he does a really good job of like illustrating the patterns that society sort of goes through. How, something that is happening right now is mirrored by something that happened before Mm -hmm. and like he's he's like he's as much of a historian as he is a filmmaker absolutely absolutely have you watched any of his movies recently or do you want to say kind of just uh, before we get out of here what what are a couple of your favorite Spike Lee's um I can definitely I I haven't watched these recently I can speak on some of my favorite movies of his though um uh well I mean this has been a this has been an interesting summer for basketball but He Got Game is definitely up there for me Jesus Shuttlesworth Jesus Shuttlesworth um despite (laughs) despite um Ray Allen's not quite not quite not quite no He's there he to was, shoot jumpers. He was, he was fine. Yeah, they did the best they could. He got games great. Um, Do the right thing. I think might be at the top of my list. Um, I actually really liked Twenty uh, Fifth Hour when it came out. Oh, okay. Just, just, yeah, just, just, a just different... to bring out, bring mm-hmm. out some of the some of the some of the Spike Lee's that don't tackle black specific issues. Twenty mm-hmm. Fifth uh, Hour was one I really liked. Yeah, I just. I, I, I wouldn't say I always am like, ooh, Spike Lee. There are things about uh, Chirac that I wasn't crazy about. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I admire the boldness and the artistry and the fact that he is right up there in the conversation with the mainstream directors in Hollywood. But he's there is still a certain artistry and... A signature style to the way that he directs absolutely absolutely and with that i think we'll put this one to bed all right hey thanks for having me again hey, thanks for coming on and thank you audience for listening don't forget to like and subscribe we're gonna have a lot of good conversations uh, about a, a myriad of topics but uh celebrating Black film and black filmmakers is going to be something we're going to do a lot more often on here. So, thanks for always being there as part of the conversation. Absolutely. Appreciate you having me. Of course. So, have a good one, everybody. Take care of each other. Wash your hands. Stay safe. See ya. Bye. I've got my month of May.